Hi, I'm Laura. Hey, I'm Stefan, and you're listening to Attributed, a podcast library by Dream Data. The purpose of it is to store and share all the knowledge that we have gathered across Dream Data employees through our LinkedIn Lives, podcasts, and webinars. The typical topics you'll find here can be stuff like marketing, sales, B2B ads, operations, social selling, maybe. I'm a fan, Gwen. I'm, I'm really <laughs> a fan. Whenever it's like, if you're able to have a brand color of yourself, even, and I, I think this is big, kind of. Gwen yeah. is a yellow heart for me, and it's like, it's not different because people know you from the yellow mm -hmm. color. And that's what we're going to speak about. Gwen Lafage, mm -hmm. she is a VP of Branding and Content at Cinch. Welcome, Gwen. Thank you so much. And the feeling is mutual. I'm a, I'm a fan of, and I will argue that you are great at branding. So we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting to, to hear it from your own side because some of the people do it like kind of by trying stuff, but there must be strategies that are working. And that's what we're going to speak about. We're going to cover a lot of stuff about branding. No, but first, Gwen, I would like to hear a little bit of your story. When did you start with branding and how was your journey with branding? Yeah, so I started my career um, a long time ago in agencies. So I started actually working in, in consumer agencies in France and then in London. Um, so working with like big, big brands like Coca-Cola, Procter and Gamble, so consumer brands um and on the agency side so i did that for many years before i moved to san francisco and ended up working for a small b2b tech agency so i still on the agency side but our clients at the time they were like yeah tech tech companies right like our biggest client was snowflake still is working with that agency and we started working with them when they were maybe 200 people and we helped them build i guess their their presence their brands and yeah support them in all of their activities so becoming in a bit of an inside out kind of studio for them um then i moved to stockholm to open our office there our european office for the agency and after that i started at tinch about two years ago what a journey. There's so yeah. much to grasp to start with, with like B2C, B2B versus one or the mm -hmm. other, because this is huge. We're going to talk a little bit about that boring branding versus fun branding. It's like when you think of Coca-Cola, <laughs> then you don't think about the technical company. Yeah? So yeah, okay. I would argue that the, the, the tech companies especially have come a really long way on making like their branding pretty fun. There's some really fun tech brands now right like i i guess i i think about slack i think about even like zendesk to some extent maybe like ClickUp. um i think there's like a lot of brand that actually managed to inject some creativity and some fun into what they do so yeah the battle's not lost we can still be the fun ones right <laughs> yeah. but okay so let's start from the very beginning what yes. is branding for you gwen so i think um to kind of start with the question there's branding and there's brand and i think there's mm -hmm. that's two different things so for me we tend to like limit brand at branding and i think like branding yes it's like kind of the surface and what you see when you think about branding the the origin of the word is putting a logo on it right which is like 
you think about your logo, you think about your colors, you think about like your visual identity, you look and feel. And I will argue that's branding. But the brand is something else. The brand is like belongs, and that's why you talk about personal brand as well, right? Like everything in a way has a brand. The brand is how people perceive you, right? Like the brand is your reputation. So branding participate to it, but it's not the only thing. And I think the brand is something that you cannot control. It's in the mind of your customers and prospects, right? Like that, how they see you, but you can influence that. And branding is one of the way you influence how they perceive you by putting some of the foundation in place. But it, you can argue that in a way as a company or like even as yourself, everything you do participate to building that perception and building that reputation that you build around yourself, right? Like, and, and I think that's why the analogy with personal brand is interesting because people see it, especially on LinkedIn, right? The LinkedIn audience will understand personal branding, what it means. And when you think about it, it's the same for like a company is how you put yourself out there, how you basically build a narrative about yourself, about how you want people to see you so that they start seeing you that way, right? And that could be colors and logo, but that's also your story, the things you talk about, the topics, like how you come across as, as, as a person and you want the, do try to do the same for a company. When things get kind of a bit blurry is that with the rise of social media and especially LinkedIn, using people and personal brands to build a corporate brand works i mean you're an example of that right like so i think that's that's when the line gets a bit blurry but it's a, in a way it all participates to the same thing um you're building your personal brand it's helping dream data right like and you yeah. perceive as being like dream data in a way right like you yourself but at the same time a lot of the content you post and the, the perception you give like influence how people see the company and it starts with you so I think that's um, a very interesting shift that it was always there. But I think before it was mostly around CEOs and like exact teams that will do that. Today is everybody in a company. Mm -hmm. So that has really changed how you can build a brand, even if you are a small company. That's right. And let's unpack a little bit of like small company for you is relative because Cinch is pretty big. But if you yes. were to join, uh, I don't know, as an advisor for a smaller company and help them out with branding. What are the first, or brand, you can't control it, but there are some things that you could put into the notion. What would you start with? So I will start with what I call the foundation. And I think what people think first is look and feel, right? And of course that matters because that definitely give a, a tone in a way to like how you want to, to your work to be perceived, right? If it's like, is it dark blue or is it bright pink, right? And, and there's association and emotion to, to colors and to, to, create, to visual aspects of it. But I will probably say that one of the most important thing is not that, it's mostly your narrative and like understanding who you're gonna talk to, what is your story, what is your positioning? So I think I see positioning as a part of brand because it is a way to tell your story and define what is that story that I want to tell. How I want people to to see me. I'm gonna like plant the seed so that they reflect it back to me, right? Like you want to tell them the story because otherwise they come up with their own, right? So you want to be there planting that seed and like. But first, the foundation is to define who you're talking to, what they care about, 
how you can put together your your story to appeal to their pain points and that's the first step it's like i will say positioning to me is like the first step and then the visual identity and those are kind of the foundation on which you can then build campaigns or any other kind of brand building activities uh, but those foundations are essential yeah very very interesting and if you were that advisor of the company and started with the foundations of this when would you expect to see any results at all is this working am i on the right path don't laugh is this yeah. like a, a tough question <laughs> that's always um interesting because i think a lot i think most companies i mean probably all companies in some ways have a brand whether it's a good one or not because every single company has a logo a story to tell something to sell and they've packaged that in a way they've decided what's the narrative like what is like the the, the yeah the the story we want to tell so i think you start seeing you start seeing it i get the results of it it depends it's like are you thinking results of brand building activities and starting to kind of have plant that seed and have people know you so we get into brand awareness which is like a mm -hmm. different thing in a way that branding and like building the foundation it's like then you want people to know about it right like and mm -hmm. that's when you need to actively do things so that people know about you but i think like i will say probably some of the first step would be when you go to a sales meeting do people understand your story does that resonate with them do they understand like your positioning if yes then you're on the right path and that's already some first kind of results so at the beginning of a very small company you're doing it from a it's just maybe a self deck right but that's how the first step of a positioning and telling your story needs to be in those kind of like self deck or on the copy you put on your website right like how you yeah. like show what you do um so i'll argue that this is brand and in a way you don't need like a brand team or even a brand person at the beginning because every founders will be doing that right like they will be building the essence of explaining what they do in a way that matters to the audiences yeah. i don't know if i'm answering completely like... the question but like yeah 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 <laughs> it's it's a very broad topic so kind of unpacking yes. it in some some ways but it sounds like a lot of collaboration with sales it does i think that's the the um, the tricky part in a way is that brand is in everything you do as a company right like it 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 is everywhere and every kind of like activities or even like the way people answer the phone when you call the front desk right like all the way they interact with like with the sales team you want everyone to be telling that same story right you want everyone to be on board and like what is the company what we stand for what like what are our values what is like our yeah or why or like what is the the thing that we want to like convey to to the audience and you want everyone to kind of be behind that and you don't need like a because i think that's a misconception on like people a small company they don't they don't have like a brand manager and they don't need one right like you don't need a brand manager or people to kind of wear the brand hat in a company to be doing brand it's in everything you do but then as you grow yes you would want someone to own that so that they can remind people and and work on that consistency and make that story evolve if it needs to evolve and start doing some kind of more brand awareness type of activities or try to inject that within the company because i think the brand awareness today especially on social comes from the people and in small company i think in a way it's easier i think it's easier because 
you small, everyone knows and understand the story. When like the bigger you become and the more silos things become, the more complex it gets, right? When would you involve the client or clients for any kind of feedback to close the loop? Right at the beginning, I think when you when you think about your positioning and putting together that story, I think a big part of defining a positioning is to talk to clients and prospects. And I will say you need to listen and you definitely need to have those input. Depending on what you're trying to do, you might want to ignore some of it because some of the clients or most of them and prospect, they will see within what they know. And sometimes you will want to come up or like you, your solution will kind of disrupt what they know. So they're mm -hmm. not going to be giving you the answer of the story, but what they will give you is like what pain point they have. And that's really important in defining, defining your positioning, right? What is kind of like the, the pain point, the job to be done, like those kind of elements that you can base your positioning and your story on the reality of the market. Otherwise you'll have misalignment, right? Like, so it's part of the first go to market plan. And then I think it's, That's the complexity of it. Some people will say, well, that belongs into product marketing or that belongs at the beginning with like the, <laughs> the, the funders and all of that is true, right? And I think like it definitely funders and CEOs need to be fully on board when you define those positioning. So I think talking to client and prospect is part of the first, the first thing you want to do, right? You need to understand. Well, you need to create the foundation of a brand that resonates with the people, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Really nice. I will pick up Stefan's question at the moment. So it's more or less about the books and recommendations of frameworks and articles that you're working with, or at least something that you could recommend people to read up upon when yeah. reconstructing a brand. Well, I think there's a lot of like different, especially on positioning, right? There's a lot of books and like, I'm a big fan of April Dunford, like a uh, positioning book, I think, and her framework and our approach. The basic one, you could do story brand. That's also like an interesting one and like giving you a, a pretty simple framework. Um, so there's a book called Story Brand, right? Like it's a methodology to kind of define that story. I don't have like a book that explain all the different levels of brand because that's the problem. It's like, is this everywhere in, in everything you do, right? And like you have also Thunder Brand, I think it's called, like the yeah. Dave Gerhard book um, yeah. is another one. And he takes the approach on like you build it through your founders, right? Or like your CEO. And that's one approach you can take. So there's a lot of different books, but I think it depends what you're trying to do. It's like defining your story. I would go, if I had one book, I would go with the April Dunford book and then and build from there. Yeah. And she's coming to Malmö on Monday for a I conference. I saw that. I have big FOMO because I, I relocated um, to the US, like, uh, so I am not in Sweden anymore and um, I cannot attend <laughs> Sassius and I see all those posts online, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, that will be exciting. I think that would be great for, um, yeah, are you going to that event? I'm going to the event, but our yeah. CEO Lars is going to join a workshop together with her on Monday. So we're oh, going to speak amazing. a bit about that. Yeah. Um, well, how do you get internal buy-in or support to prioritize branding? It's hard to measure and gain attribution, and especially in the current climate. Yeah, I think like if you, especially if you're a small company, I think you want to start by 
non-expensive activities in a way, right? I think like there's a misconception that brand has to be expensive or branding or building brand awareness has to be expensive. And with social, it shifted, I think a bit like how we can build a brand if you're a small tech company. It's a lot easier if your audience are like marketing and sales. I want to say that because I think like if your audience is marketing and sales and they hang out on LinkedIn a lot, then like it's a lot easier. If they're not, that's another another issue right like but i think the this definitely it doesn't have to be expensive right and i think like starting small with like maybe um organically try to build it using your people in-house and i think to get the buying is trying to maybe understand or like explain educate people in the company and the leadership team on why it's important right and i think i use this example a lot it's like when you prospect and you cold call, if people know about you and have heard about your name before, the door is half open, right? Like if the response is like, oh yeah, I totally know about doing data. I see Laura online like all the time. I love her content. In a way, you've started to build a brand in the mind of that person, right? Through the content and through the personal brand that you've developed there. When you cold call and nobody have never heard about you, it's another battle, right? Then you need to explain who you are. And like, and I think that's, that's the thing, right? Like all of those activities that you're doing, I would, you know, argue that some, we have to disconnect on like what we think of brand buildings activities, because I would argue that a LinkedIn live, a podcast, like all of those so leadership type of content participate in building your brand. And you can do that with like little budget. I'm sure you don't have like a pretty big dedicated budget for building your brand at Dream Data. And at the same time, you have a presence online and a brand that a lot of people, especially I guess in the Nordics, like know, right? Yeah. And you've done that without dedicating like a huge budget to it. So I think you can do it. And I mean, not like without the buying of like everybody in the company, but you can start like small. I mean, the best is definitely for sure. If you convince your CEO and like people in the leadership team and they participate to it, like going back to that founder brand from Dave Gerhardt, I think like that's really powerful. If they have that vision, if they understand the power of having a strong brand, it's a lot easier, but I think it's about educating them, right? Like, um, yeah. and if they don't want to participate because they're maybe not the right profile, you can use your sales team, right? You can use your marketing team. Like I think there is definitely possibilities to, to start organically through activities that you're already doing. If we can break it down a little bit to towards attribution, what are yes. the early <laughs> metrics that you would show? Okay, you got buy-in. Okay, Gwen, we trust you. We've seen you do it well. But what would you show them and when that something is working so far? But give me more time. Yes. So I think like it's the more people i guess there's some of the soft like um attribution like we're saying when you call call or like i don't know if you use like a, a gong call or like you know you you have people said oh yeah i know about you i know about laura or if you see people are engaging with your content on social and you're getting traction there and then you get a lot more inbound i think like that's i'm sure what you're seeing at dream data i would say like you probably are like a good example of a company that's getting, I'm assuming, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but getting a lot of your pipeline built through LinkedIn and what you're doing there, right? So we call it social selling, but at the core of it, it's like how you, Laura, or Stan with Stefan, right? Like I've built 
your personal brand and the dream data brand through yourself online and starting having like engagement, traction, number of followers, all of those vanity metrics in a way, I think they are good indicators. I will not call them only vanity because they're good indicator that people are starting to know who you are. And like you make this association of like, oh yeah, Gwen, and she's yellow. And that's like the cinch yellow, right? Like, so it's like also trying to like build the cinch brands to my personal brand in a way. And I think like it's having, it's using kind of yourself and seeing like, do you get more people coming to you, registering to like a newsletter, listening to your podcast, how many attendees you get to LinkedIn live. I'm sure it grows as like, your following base is growing and your brand perception, like awareness is growing. So I think yeah. those are like the first kind of indicators. Like, yeah. And Will is asking for a follow-up from Dream Data. Glad you asked. No, but like what we measure for the branding attribution is you can, of course, always ask your clients where have they heard about us from. We mm -hmm. often hear that on calls as well while we're discussing. So, oh, I've seen you all over LinkedIn and so on. Okay, something is working out of those. But if you put more data into it, then when tracking attribution, your direct traffic, if you're properly tracking customer journeys, is an indicator that something is working because they might be landing indirectly and then continue their customer journey. Your brand searches, what content they're reading, as first touches in your customer journey that are ungated. There's plenty of like that indicatory stuff. And if you can see those opportunities moving to sales qualified and new business, okay, Gwen is yeah. doing her job well. And, and I think that's the thing. Like, with, well, we are a customer of Room Data, right? So I think we have some of that data as well. It's like, I think some of the beauty of it on the content side, because content is a big fuel to building your brand, right? Like we can argue that what we're doing now is content and then the podcast is content. But then when you put like a sole leadership type of blog is content. And on the dream data, you can see the platform, you can see what content you close one have consumed throughout the buyer journey. So you can also see what content resonated or like if you say, oh, this like, like, I don't know, 30% of the close one this week have listened to the podcast episode. I mean, like, that would be ideal, but that <laughs> I guess that's maybe a bit of a stretch, but it could happen, right? Like, you yeah. could have, like, you could at least see that those traction, right? Like, and it doesn't mean that the podcast is, like, driving the direct leads and it's the reason people buy, but that means that they are starting to engage with your brand, which I think is what you want to track, right? When you're like a much bigger company, things are a bit different because you would want to build like a much bigger brand and presence. And then you might need to go into more into bigger brand building activities. But I think with, again, with social, the quality of the production, for example, if you think brand videos or like have kind of decreased, like if you, you can do fun stuff if you're a small company that maybe you cannot if you're a bigger one, right? Like, uh, but I, I'm seeing a lot of things that I will consider brand building, like a rap song, your employees sing, singing and dancing, like uh, <laughs> this type of stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, funny, a lot of funny videos. I think like, I think that has kind of evolved, right? Like it, all, over time. And it is to kind of get awareness around what you're doing, right? Like, so yeah. I think these yeah, uh, uh, interesting. And, and I think you have to kind of be a bit comfortable with the fact that you cannot track everything. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's one of the most uncomfortable part of it when you're like a B2B marketer. It's like, yeah. why not? You know, we're so focused on like trying to track every single thing that we will probably not do certain things if we don't see traction with them. But we know in our guts, right, like that they actually work. So I think you have, I say, trust also yeah. your instincts, 100%. right? And that plus attribution software, like I think help defining how you see brand moving the needle. Yeah. And you mentioned the budgets, like smaller companies versus larger companies. What kind of budget does a company generally need to allocate for a branding initiative? And how do you break that down to key line items? If you, there were some items you would focus on. Yeah, I think it goes down to like defining what are brand building activities. There's like, there's very few activities that are only brand. It's always combined with like something else. For example, events, right? Like events are brand building activities, right? You put, you're, putting your, you're putting your brand out there. Uh, if you have a booth or like you're having a presence and you're going to put some budget in there. You're going to sell your sales team and you're, obviously you want them to sell. So it's not just like brand building, you want leads, et cetera, but it contributes to it. And it's the same with like social, organic social or part of your demand gen campaign. And I think there's also a little bit of a blurry line between what we call demand gen versus demand capture, right? So in the demand gen, to me, there's a really big part of it that is brand building, right? So I think it's hard to like, split but i will say from like some of the garner analysis they say it should be 30 40 percent of your budget into brand activities but again where things are tricky is what are those activities that are only brand building that's mm -hmm. pretty rare and that's really hard as well to kind of go to your cmo or your ceo and be like oh i want to do a brand campaign right and i will say Think about it like when I was working in the agency Skona before, like we came up with this term, which was brand gen. And it was the idea that you could do a campaign that both build your brand, but also deliver demand, right? So you kind of do demand gen and brand together. And I think that that kind of is, is a way you don't want to do just like a, let's say you do a brand video and you package it into a campaign when you're going to want to like people watch the video, then maybe they go to a blog article or like an ebook when you actually want to capture lead gen, if that's what you want to do. Right. I think like the, the whole demand gen movement to me, like getting away from the demand capture and the lead gen, right. Like that part is very big on brand right like because you engage everything you share new knowledge you're like going you're giving everything from free in the purpose of people knowing what you do and building you as a trusted advisor well that's what brand is about right so i think yeah. this like again like i think it's using new terms to define things that maybe were there before but i think that that's why from a budget perspective fighting for just a brand budget is really tough but saying, hey, I'm going to build a brand to the activity that we're already doing, social events, content, a podcast, like then people will respond a lot more to it, right? Like, so I think everything that is, it's a lot easier if your company is built into the demand gen mindset rather than like we do lead gen because then you split brand and lead gen where like in demand gen, it's hung together, right? So demand gen, 
brand gen in a way because uh, yeah i love it and i will use that for content as well <laughs> brand gen i think it's it's really awesome because then you kind of don't even have to talk about splitting the budgets or anything because yeah. this is our pool what we're working with okay gwen needs to focus on color on like a better video or something but it has to drive the narrative that the whole company is working around so kind of the, exactly. the bigger circle of it very yeah, cool. and you want you want a brand team or like if you have a brand team or one person to kind of own the foundation, right? Like their role is to kind of like set those foundation and own it and work on driving that consistency, giving some of the tools to the other other people in the team. But it's uh, and if you have that kind of like separate budget doing pure brand building activities, but in most smaller SaaS company, you don't really have that so what you want them to do is work with the dimension team one with the whole entire marketing team work on social create that buzz on social so that it becomes part of like your demand and playbook and it's integrated within within right which is i guess in, in a way probably what you guys are doing at dream data right you don't have a specific brand person at the same time you've been building the, the dream data brand right yeah absolutely so what steps can you take to ensure that your brand is consistent across all your global offices? Now, Cinch is all over the world and that people yes. do adhere to the same guidelines. Is it okay to modificate the brand or should you at all do that? Yeah, that's a really good question and a really big challenge that we've tackled at Cinch. So Cinch grew extremely fast in the past couple of years. I think when I joined two years ago, we were maybe 700 people and today we're 4,000 with 60 plus offices across the globe a lot of different brands we don't have a one brand because we grew through a lot of acquisition um, but we're trying to consolidate and get people to embrace the cinch brand and the guidelines one of the first things we did uh, or i did when i joined cinch was to establish some uh, brand guidelines online so like using like a, a platform and a tool so that you can evolve them continuously because there's nothing worse than like 10 version of a PDF that are your brand guideline that you need to share this massive PDF to people, right? So I think the brand is alive and it keeps evolving, right? And as you grow, your brand needs to evolve. Like you don't want to be set in like what you established two years ago because your story will evolve and your visual identity will probably evolve. And you want to give, I think, freedom to designers and markets to adjust to local uh, specificities and culture within certain parameters right so i think it's a fine line between like everything looking different and too much like brand policing which is like something that i personally really dislike like being the brand police i i'd rather be the brand guardian right that's a much, a much better way to put it I think you need to allow for like evolution. You need to allow for like creativity to happen within the parameter of the brand, but you need to define a really strong core that mm -hmm. cannot be changed. So you need to kind of have those really strong parameters and say, this is the stuff that you cannot change. This is the stuff that you need to use everywhere. This is the thing that you can't really modify. But then around that, and depending on the type of campaign you're doing, you can give them some freedom it's a fine line i'll say there's like there's no and some brands are way stricter than others right like if yeah. 
you see Apple, right? I'm sure you, everything is kind of the same in B2B. Yeah. And I think like, I think it's good to allow from specificity, especially if you work in very different markets, like centuries mm. in India, as well as Brazil, as well as Sweden and the US, right? I will say India and Sweden are probably like in the opposite of that spectrum from a visual yeah. identity perspective. You need to try to bring consistency as much as you can, but allow for some cultural specificity, I think. Um, I love that. And, and you don't want to be too strict because you want your designers, wherever they are, to also express their creativity, right? So I think working together with them, I think, and how giving them some of the direction is, is the way to go. Yeah, sounds great and definitely would work. And what if you make a mistake just putting everybody into the same box and don't let them test some of the deviations Yeah, out? exactly. I think it's like you also have to listen to what comes back, right? Like, for example, the cinch at the beginning was mostly when I started mostly focused on illustration as like one core element of the brand. And that came from like this, this aspect that we didn't want to work too much with stock photos, like so many B2B brands use stock photos. Everyone looks the same. Everyone used the same people. It's hard to differentiate. So it's a lot easier to differentiate with illustration and you can have a unique style and you can like build your brand that way. But then when we A-B test some of the ads in certain mm -hmm. market, you see that people want to see your face, right? And you have to listen to those feedback because you don't want to build a brand in complete silo what doesn't work you want your brand to work right you want people it needs to deliver you still need to have that aspect in it right that you actually need to sell it's still a business it's not like it's not yeah. art right like you um so i think that's important to listen to this feedback and say okay well what does that mean how do we integrate that and how we do we allow that to happen and have potentially some stock photo within the brand because people yeah. are asking for that. That's right? interesting. So, in terms of buy-in in the companies as well, it's like what to use and how to do it. What is your best tip on how to spark interest and passion for branding among people in the company that don't really care about branding too much? Because it's not usually number one priority for companies. Yeah, I think like it, it definitely starts like internally. I think it's hard to build a strong brand if the people are not behind it, especially in small companies, because you would want them to carry the brand, right? Like, uh, I think you need to excite people and show them the possibilities of like what it means. Well, yeah, show some of the results on like if you have a brand or not a strong brand, like because people respond to number and success, right? Like, so I think if you show them that creating something more visible and more like appealing from a brand perspective then it work and they might bring them more success and more money in a way i think all of a sudden they will be more behind it and i think like people can get excited because it's fun right like it's a fun part of the marketing right like you can you have an opportunity to do some fun stuff and i think like people do want to have fun right like even in b2b i know we started with saying it's boring but i think like injecting that and and making them a big part of it i'll say hey you can be a part of building this brand yeah. and look it's exciting we have like this new thing that we can do and how you want to inject that internally one thing that people love and i think that's in probably every company is merch right like people love swag they love like for some reason right like i'm like <laughs> they do and i think like making them feel like they belong i think 
it can go a long way with just like a t-shirt and a branded bottle, right? Like uh, in a way, I think like they will kind of embrace it if they feel like they're belonging to it. But when you're going through the rebrand process, or like if, if that's like the case, you want to make sure people internally feel that they love this brand. It starts yeah. internally so that they can help push it outside. But I yeah. think exciting them, bringing them along in the process, showing them the possibilities with it and showing them that you can have fun, I think yeah. will help. Having the buying of the CEO of the founders is definitely like, it definitely really will really help, right? Because if it comes from up top, then people will follow more easily, right? It's hard yeah. if it's only kind of grassroots. But so maybe the first step is to spend a lot of time educating the C level, like if, if they're not buying, but yeah. yeah, or like, I guess going back to like Dave is like, don't work for a CEO that doesn't understand marketing. Well, maybe it's the same don't work for someone that doesn't understand branding, but I don't, I don't truly believe that to be honest. I think there's like, I think it's part of like a marketing team and a branding team to educate people internally yeah. and they can come along if they see the benefit and the fun behind it. I love that because it goes both externally for your clients who bring in more revenue, also for the internal employer branding, but also for hiring people. When you need to hire exactly. people, if you've got a strong brand, it's so much easier to attract. It's so much easier. I think that's like one of the very big benefits of like having a strong brand. Everyone wants to work for those strong brands, right? I mean, like everyone wants to have, to feel that they're going somewhere when there is yeah. something a culture because I think brand is also very close to I mentioned values before right like and what is the mission of the company those are like important foundation of your brand and if that resonates with people and I think especially more with some of the newer generation people want to find purpose in what they do and I think your brand is a part of building that right like and expressing that in a good way on like why joining this company because we're building something super exciting right i think again that excitement and we have those really great values when we like collaborate and dream big and like you know so i yeah. think that's um something that again brand can do for you right so i think it's very exciting to talk about the next step of like you initiated the branding but when do you reevaluate that again and decide okay should we switch and do you switch big or do you take small steps? So I think it really depends on why you think you need to rebrand. I think like you shouldn't like, I'll say rebrand just because you've got a new CEO and what they want to do is put the personal touch on like your colors and your website, right? That's not a really good reason to rebrand. But I think you should consider it if you're thinking that First, your story or even your visual identity doesn't resonate that much with your audience, or you feel you don't really get like the differentiation that you would want to get because brand is a great way to differentiate, right? Like in and especially in B2B where everything is kind of the same and where yes, there's product differentiation, but most of the time it gets down to them features and everybody is doing kind of the same, especially in certain industry right in certain like let's talk martech for example when there's like yeah. millions of brands now and like you said well they almost do the same but not quite and like yeah. you would want to differentiate and kind of like take the next step up 
then I think you need to consider like rebranding. And I will say changing, if your story is changing, it's a good, and the positioning is changing, it's a good moment to also evolve the visual part of it. And the visual part of it can be updated by itself if you feel it's really outdated. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of B2B tech brands or B2B brands that you're looking, you're like, okay, it looks like this was made in the 80s, right? So I think like if, if, you, if you feel that it's outdated, but I, I was saying like you need a really good reason or maybe you're changing segment or like you're going into a new market or like you're changing your go-to-market strategy. Like I think there's plenty of reasons to do it. And in the stage in your growth, it's like if you add grow your brand because you feel it doesn't give the right perception of where you want to be, because that's also the beauty of brand is that it's about perception, right? So you can appear much bigger than you are, for example, just by nailing down the branding. You can appear, you can be a, a company of three and people will think you're much bigger if you all, all three of you post on LinkedIn all the time and have like this differentiating brand. Then people say, oh, really, you're only three? But I really thought like you were much, much bigger. For me, a good example of that is Sport Toro. I don't know if you're familiar mm. with them, but like it's a very small company, big presence because the content they put out there and like, and again, they have a good story. They haven't yeah. focused on the visual side of it because I think there's a misconception that brand is just the visual side of it. It's like they focus on all, a lot of all the things. They've built a brand. Yes, they had a strong founder that was already known, so that helped. But still, right? Like I think that's a bit of a process because you would want like a, a good example of a, a brand that I think I've, I've done a really good impact is Gong. I know we mentioned them before, mm. but you can see that they have really focused on their branding, right? Like uh, from a lot of different aspects, story, category building, visual identity, content, online presence. Like they put all of those pieces in place uh, so that people actually love the brand even they don't know what the product does or if they don't actually use the product, right? It's like, it's, it's interesting. And at some point they may be rebranded. I don't know if I maybe didn't know them before, but I think when you have a, want to have this big impact and I think like companies should dare more to be bold with their brand. Yeah. There's this fear of like, are we going to be too different? But I think that's what you want. It's a, we are in a, in a state when you compete for attention. Right. So, and you com you don't compete only with your direct competitors. You compete with anything else. You compete for like a part of the budget that people have that they can decide to put in attribution or they decide to put in paid ads. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, in a way, you compete with a lot of things. And I think, like, first you need to grab attention, and that's where your brand will help. Yeah. Even like attention wherever. Let's say you consume your content on LinkedIn. I scroll through. <laughs> And where do I stop? Is it at the brands I know that are delivering good content? I'm scrolling the rest through. So it's like your attention over there as well. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it, it could be that you start putting out there like a, a one or two person in your team start putting out there a lot of videos of themselves or like funny stuff, like memes, I guess. Like it's a good one for you guys. <laughs> it's like, well, that. the purpose of those memes, right? Like, and I'm, I guess you can tell me if I'm wrong, but like they were to kind of, stop people from scrolling grab people attention there's like you don't expect someone to sign up for your attribution no. software because you have a great meme but then they will start like seeing you and your brand right like that's how you build you build it like online right it's like attention grabbing content 
um, yeah. it's the first step. Yep. And it's fun for the company to create it. It's fun for the readers. And then maybe they have stopped once yeah. out of 10 times, but then they will stop one more out of the other 10, which is exactly. already a very good success. Really and cool. I think that's a lot um, easier for smaller companies again, because there's like, once you grow and become more corporate, because that, mm. that happened, I mean, it's happening for, for Sanchez as well, right? Like you, when you have 4,000 people and like, you probably cannot be as playful and like, you need to be a bit more so true and it needs to be aligned with your values and who you are, the company. Don't start putting funny memes out there. If that's not what your company is, right? Like, yeah. I think, like we don't do that at sense because it is not like what the brand is about, right? So yeah. I think, but when you're a small startup and like, yeah, I mean, have fun with it. Like think you need to just grab people's attention. That's the first battle. Um, and there's several ways to do it. If you're not funny, you're not funny. You do like super thoughtful content, like again, sport right? Like, mm -hmm. so I think it's this several ways to approach it based on who you are and who you want to be and how you want to be perceived. We hope you like listening to us. Subscribe to our podcast and the ones that we have been guests on. And if you have any feedback for us, uh, just do let us know. And should there be a guest that you think we should be talking to, then like pitch us. We're looking forward to seeing you.